on SAFM. Now, the ANC is gearing up for its sixth policy conference, which will officially um, be kicking off this weekend. Ahead of the conference, the ruling party, of course, is still seeing itself as a leader of society. However, it has been marred by scandals, infighting within um, the organization, and it really then has led to the clarion call that uh, was made by the ANC president, Cyril Ramaphosa, that the party's focus has to be the improvement of the quality of lives of people rather than the often narrow internal focus on the party itself. Those are just some of the comments that are made by the former, by the president rather of the ANC as he sets the tone for what the party seeks to achieve out of this policy conference. Let me welcome onto the show Raboni Dao, who is a research fellow at the Institute for Pan-African Thought and Conversation at the University of Johannesburg. Raboni, good morning to you. Thanks for your time today. Good morning, Kathy, uh, and good morning to the listeners. Let me also let me also welcome Lucanio Vanga, who is a political analyst. Lucanio, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for inviting me. I think before we get into some of the nitty-gritties when it comes to um, what we know so far about some of the policy proposals uh, by the ANC going into this weekend, let's talk about the significance of this policy conference. And the ANC acknowledges the fact that the party is facing enormous challenges in this period. It reflects on what happened in the 2021 local government elections that we'd experienced declining electoral support. And it, in fact, says that this is an indication of the declining levels of trust and credibility in the leadership and in cadres of the party. And it even goes as far as describing the 2024, the road to the 2024 elections as, you know, treacherous waters that the party will have to navigate. So with that as a context, then how significant is this policy conference going to be? Raboni, let me begin with you. Um, thank you, Kathy. Um, one more step by saying this is a very different policy conference as we have seen in the past, because this is not the first policy conference. But what is different about this one in the past branches will have PGMs and nominate the delegates going to the policy conference. But at this one, um, provinces have been allocated a number of participants at this policy conference. And what I know that then provinces have um, then split the numbers into different regions and regions then will decide um, who are the participants going to the policy conference. And, 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 and there are some members of the ANC who feel like they wasted their time discussing this policy documents within their branches. And then now, all of a sudden, um, people are handpicked to go to the policy conference. But the ANC really finds itself in a, in a very difficult position. And the ANC has always taken policies, but the issue is the implementation around the policies. I think I'll end there for now. Just staying on that issue then, Raboni, do you think that there will be contestation from some of those who are members of the ANC who will say, well, we do not feel that because of this process of deciding who gets to be part of this policy conference, some voices have been excluded. 
just by virtue of the process that has been followed? I think there might be, and especially because we know the one issue that is highly contested going to this policy conference is the step-aside issue. And some provinces might feel that, no, this is not a true reflection of, um, uh, of a particular province because um, you find that because now people had to be chosen to be here, you know, that is not the will of the branches. So I think the step-aside issue is the one that is going to really uh, make things difficult um, moving forward at this uh, policy conference. Lucanio? Um, just to reframe it a bit, Cathy, um, when you listen to the ANC um, lament its electoral fortunes, and um, speak in very dystopian terms about what 2024 is likely to, to look like. I think they said their own modeling um, has shown that they will, for the first time, dip below the 50% mark, which means they will be voted out of power. So what that does for the ANC is to create a sense of desperation from within the organization <clears throat> and create a single-mindedness amongst the ANC leadership to be um, to 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 lead to to go towards 2024 with the idea of maintaining power at all costs, and what that then also does is to create expedient manner in which they do their policies and their politics, that they begin to start uh, taking very practical um, policy positions on matters that are very you know substantive and matters that are very. Uh, abstract and important for the future of this country. For an example, on the on the issue of the land question, the ANC has taken a very practical approach, moving away from their land expropriation without compensation, um, you know, resolutions that they took in 2017. Now they seek to rely on the kindness of um, the current uh, land barons for them to be able to donate land as they see uh, fit for that land to be redistributed if they decide to do so. So this kind of practicalities and practical manner in which the ANC is going to approach its uh, um, its its politics is going to lead to the ANC becoming very directionless and becoming a party that is not involved in any liberation struggles or liberation ideologies, but rather just focus on electoral fortunes and doing anything for the vote and taking any policy position that is going to be able to earn them a vote. Another example of that is how they are treating the issue of um, foreign migration into the country and how they seem to be taking a stance um, that is popular or whatever seems populist at the particular moment. That's the position that the ANC is starting to adopt. I, I want to begin by looking at, um, you know, the, the conversation that the party has in its discussion documents around what it calls the changing balance of forces uh, around South Africa's transformation agenda. Because when you read the ANC's own analysis of where South Africa is and the contribution of the party, it talks about the fact that it never foresaw a situation where the democratic state would come under threat as a result of forces that are agitating from within its party as a result of the factional battles that are playing themselves out. And 
no clear solution is is given there but i guess that's why it's it's it's, it's part of the discussion in many ways uh, to me you know the document seems to be surprised um by the extent to which the forces in the anc have now f- gone to to fight themselves and 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 the july unrest is really the, the big example around that raboni I think I want to start by saying, you know what is very funny about the ANC leadership and just linking it to what you're saying. Most of the time when the leadership of the ANC, for example, even speaks about the branches, they speak as if they're not part of the branches. You know, they talk about our branches are dysfunctional. I, I don't even think that majority of the National Executive Committee members are even active in their own branches. You know, and I like one one of the leaders of the ANC I was speaking to yesterday, and one thing he was saying that the current ANC is led by groupies, not revolutionaries, and that is why the ANC finds itself in, in, in this crisis. They they forever surprised about a lot of things, which they know that some of these things, but they never want to take responsibility as a collective uh, that they all played a role for the organization to be where it is in terms of factionalism and so forth. But when when we then have to look at what are the consequences of this infighting, what are the consequences um, of this factionalism? Of course, it points to um, what the ANC describes as a power balance that will be now in favor of South Africa's traditionally conservative and right-wing political forces. Uh, Lucanio, when, when, when you look at how the ANC is contextualizing, where it finds itself, and the different political dynamics at play in the environment right now, what do you make of it? I think the ANC is still not being honest with itself, mm. especially when they say that this is... Uh, something that they they never thought would happen, that internally from the ANC there will be sprouts of counter-revolutionary forces. It, it, it's something that they spoke about themselves in 1997. When you look at the Secretariat report that was delivered uh, in, 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 um, at the conference there, you look at the diagnostics report that was delivered by Guadalmandashi in 2017 in Nasrek. You look at the one that was delivered in 2007 in Bulukwani by They all spoke about the tendencies that are beginning to creep in with the scenes of incumbency in the ANC, that people join that organization as a springboard and able to be able to enter uh, government and to use government resources for their own personal accumulation. So it's nothing new. What the ANC neglected to do is to strengthen its processes. It's to be able to um, create systems in place that will be able to be fail-safe mechanisms for when they are infiltrated by forces that are counter-revolutionary, or when members of the ANC themselves begin to show tendencies that are foreign to the ANC with regards to wealth accumulation and rapid wealth accumulation and corruption. The ANC failed to do that. The ANC is still, to this day, failing to put those mechanisms in place. Their step-aside policy has been a factionalized tool that has been used to clobber each other instead of protecting the ANC's integrity. 
And that's why it's become so, um, you know, polarized at the moment that there is no universal support for that tool. But that was supposed to be one of those tools. You look at the ANC's disciplinary committees, um, they're not doing the work that they were supposed to be doing to protect the ANC from, um, you know, um, what you call ill-discipline and members that act in a way that brings the ANC into disrepute. The integrity committee has done more work than the disciplinary committee of the ANC. No one has appeared before the disciplinary committee of the ANC for corruption, for money laundering charges, any of those things that are bringing the reputation of the ANC into disrepute and speak to ill discipline of their members. No one has appeared before their disciplinary committees. So there's been a very serious failure to act by the ANC, and that failure to act has allowed the situation to fester and for the rot to deepen, and to such an extent it's now reached the core of the ANC that their president can be accused of very serious crimes um, currently, uh, you know, uh, kidnapping, torture, uh, money laundering, storing cash of about 60 million in, 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 in South African rents under his mattress. But you don't find the ANC acting. You don't find the disciplinary committee of the ANC charging the person so that they can be able to come and be taken through a process where they account for having done such things as members of the ANC. It doesn't happen, and it's because of the ANC's very own failures to act very decisively to protect itself and to ensure that whenever this uh, counter-revolutionary forces show themselves they're able to have uh, they're able to be weeded out and they're able to be uh, to protect the ANC from those people so the ANC has failed to act they knew all along this was coming so then given g- given the scale of challenges that the party is is facing from within and you know it, it continues to describe itself as the national as the vanguard of of the national democratic revolution uh, Raboni. Can can the party then still say that with conviction against a backdrop of, you know, self-correction that it has identified needs to take place, organizational renewal that it has identified needs to take place, unity that is a, that it has identified, but it's struggling towards attaining any of these goals. I think one must advise saying, um, even currently, you know, when you look at the ANC, we don't know what they stand for, from an ideological point of view. You know, even when you listen to the president, you really don't know what President Ramaphosa stands for as the political head of this organization. Um, the ANC, I mean, has been speaking about unity as far, you can even go back to the era of the former president, Jacob Zuma, who are not seeing the unity. One of the things the NC will really have to look into is their recruitment process, if they're really serious about the, uh, this organization, about the renewal, because their recruitment process is just open. If you have money, you can just become a member today and tomorrow you get a position within the party without being vetted or anything, you know. So the NC can't continue just to come up with what, which, what I call slogans but there is no implementation or a strategy or a vision to say, this is what we want to go as an organization, to build the organization, to strengthen the organization, to unite the organization, 
they are going to this conference in December. The, 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 the top six is highly uh, divided. The Secretary General is, is suspended while he says that he's still going to contest in December whether they step aside or not because he feels and his uh, some of his uh, people in this faction that this step aside, as Mikona was saying, that is being used also to purge certain people to fight certain battles, you know, within the NC. So the NC has to really do a self-introspection. And I agree with Charles Nakula. I was reading something that he wrote um, the past few days, which for the longest time, the veterans of the NC have been saying there's a need for a consultative conference. The problem is that the NC only meets when they're going to elect leaders, but they don't really meet to diagnose the problems of the NC and find solutions in them. So there is still that need of that consultative conference because the ANC has had only two consultative conferences, the Morogoro one and the Kwabe one. And post-1994 or post-1991, the ANC has never had a consultative conference. They need it more than now. President Ramaphosa, when he came in in 2017, he promised the members of the ANC and especially the veterans that there will be a consultative conference. He is going to end his uh, term now, five-year term in December without having delivered that consultative conference. The reason being, he's also scared how his faction will feel about this thing because the consultative conference will deal with some or most of this problematic challenges that they face as an organization. But people will not want that within the ANC because people survive through factionalism in the ANC. We're in conversation with political analysts Rewoni Dao and Lukanyo Vanga. We're talking about the upcoming conference, policy conference that is of the ANC. One of the things that the party does clearly define and, uh, you know, state in its policy documents is the fact that it's facing an existential crisis. What does that mean? For the organization. Those are just some of the themes we'll continue to explore. For now, it's 10.30 and Musa has your latest headlines. Good morning. Thanks, Kathy. In the headlines, political analyst Professor Stephen Friedman says the ANC is failing to deal with corruption, which he has described as a symptom of what is happening in the country. A government employee at the Phoenix Forensic Mortuary in Durban says the challenges the mortuary is facing is crippling their efforts to work. And U.S. President Joe Biden has welcomed a breakthrough in getting his multi-billion dollar package on health care, green energy and climate through Congress after winning crucial support from a Democratic senator. I'll have details on these and other stories at 11. Taking a look at your markets, the rand is trading at 16 rand 71 to the dollar, 20 rand 36 to the pound, and 17 rand 5 cents to the euro. Markets in Asia ended mainly firmer. The JSE is higher in mid-morning trade. Markets in Europe are also mixed at this hour. Your commodities, gold is trading at $1,747, platinum at $893 per ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is at $107.55 a barrel. Kathy Motlatana on SAFM.
We continue the conversation taking a look at the ANC's policy conference, some of the themes of, of interest to be looking out for. Coming out of this conference, I wonder how much interest uh, do you have in the ANC's policy conference? How invested are you in the conversations that are going to be taking place or the discussions that are going to be taking place over policy? I'll take those calls on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107. Riboni Tau and Luka Nyovanga are still on the line. Um, I find it interesting, uh, Lucano, that the the ANC in characterizing, um, you know, some of its problems, and this is really the, the challenges that the party is facing. It, it talks about the fact that um, the the many issues that have reached such a point that where the party now finds itself facing an existential crisis, but it says. It's not a crisis that says the ANC may cease to exist, but rather that its historic role in the South African polity, that that role will be challenged and that its character as a people's movement, as an agent for change, is under mortal threat. When, when you look at that statement, Lukanyo, what does that mean to you? Because I read it as, number one, an existential threat, as in, yes, on the one hand, the ANC may cease to exist, but another, it's that it's a party that is failing to connect with the masses of people in the way that it did before. Yes, Kathy, and again, I think the ANC sometimes mischaracterizes um, what, what it's going through and some of the challenges that it's facing. The ANC's role as a leader of society has not really been uh, challenged by any meaningful uh, political party in the country. I mean, you look at all the political parties that are there, the DA started to show a downward uh, spiral. Uh, from their 20, 21%, 23% electoral support. You look at the EFF that is sort of stuck in a rut at around 10% of um, electoral fortunes of the electoral vote. So the ANC has not really been challenged in that aspect. What the ANC has done is abdicated its responsibility as a leader of society. It's abdicated its role um, in society. And what that has done is to create a vacuum that other smaller political parties can then exploit, but not necessarily having, you know, muscle the ANC off of that. The ANC has to been too inward looking and too focused in its own factional battles within the organization. That the ANC has has become a party with institu- institutionalized um, factions within the organization. For, for an example, Kathy, you look at what happened in KZN that there is a faction of the ANC that has its own uniform, that has its own dress sense to be able to identify itself, the Taliban's. You can tell from um, that, that, that conference in KZN that it, 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 these issues of faction have been so institutionalized that they have their own names, they have their own uniforms within the, the, within the organization, and no steps have been taken within the ANC to deal with the issues of factionalism. Why? Because factions have benefited the individuals that are at the leadership and the helm of the ANC. They could never rise without those, those, those factions. For you to be a leader of the ANC or to occupy any position of responsibility, that must be bestowed upon you by a faction. And once that happens, you become, as a leader, 
um, enthralled to that faction because you're a beneficiary of their allergies. And that's how this political patronage exists within the ANC through those factionalized lines. So the ANC has abdicated its responsibility because it's been in too inward looking, because it's been too factionalized, because it's only taken decisions that have benefited not the entirety of the organization but rather uh you know fragments of the organization and factions within that within the organization and that's how the ANC has then abdicated its responsibility and left a vacuum for for other political parties to then take aim at the ANC um you know to such an extent that it is it's, as they say in some of their diagnostic reports that people didn't even go and vote for other other political parties they simply retreated from voting for the ANC and left it open to challenges at the electoral uh, box. And that's how the ANC, you know, lost its way because it became too inward looking as an organization. Mm. The, the question of, of renewal, what needs to, to happen for there to be true renewal in, in the ANC? Because there's no shortage of reflections of what needs to happen and how the party needs to be renewed. But whether or not that is in fact being implemented is 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 the big question, Raboni. I mean, if we talk about renewal, we, we just know of the slogan renewal. We have not seen, you know, or read anything that really gives a sense of direction where the ANC is going with, with, with the renewal, you know. And when I was saying earlier on, the renewal process, for an example, the recruitment process will be part of the renewal. Because some of these problems of the ANC is this one million membership, which has not worked for the ANC. And, and they and, and when you talk to some of the leaders within the ANC, they agree that the biggest mistake was this mass recruitment of members because uh, not everyone was recruited uh, over the past, whether you can say, especially building up to Polokwan. Uh, and post Polokwane, that were actually this were revolutionaries or activists, you know, um, the caliber of even, you know, the NC has got a document, Kathy, which is caused through the Eye of Anilin. I don't even think that they even use that document. And I think the document itself is outdated. The NC would have to look at what are the criterias in today's time for one to be uh, legitimate, legitimate to contest for any position in the ANC. Even the process of the candidates, half of the people that get elected are not even known by members, but because they, they derive through a faction, a slate, they make their way into leadership position. Some, you find that they have not even spoken through their whole tenure in that executive, whether in the PEC or in the NEC or in the RSC, because these are people who are just elected based because they are loved in the faction. So the NC will have to take very difficult decisions uh, if it's serious about renewal. And this process, that means along the way, some will have to fall down, especially those who have joined the NC to advance their own personal uh, agendas. You know, I was listening, Kathy, uh, last night uh, uh, to the clip, you know, when the spokesperson of the ANC responded in the manner that he responded about the staff of the Lituli House not being paid, not being paid. It was so painful. And this is the man that tomorrow wants to convince South Africans to vote for the ANC and he responds in the manner that he responds. He does not deserve Pulema to be the spokesperson of the ANC. And I don't know why the ANC has kept him there for so long. We have seen his arrogance. It was journalist. He has no humility, he has no Ubuntu as the spokesperson. Thank you. 
And and Raboni, just to be clear, is this the the clip where he is explaining why ANC staffers have have not been paid? And talking about, I think what did he say? Yes, that they don't they don't conduct CIT heists, and so yeah, yeah. you know, therefore they don't have a steady income. Yeah, that's it, a very it, it was it, it was a rather bizarre uh, example for, for him to use. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the team just to find it so that we can play it uh, for our listeners that may not have had uh, the opportunity to listen to it. So so when it comes to the actual themes of of discussion, you know, there, there's we've, we've touched a little bit on the issue of of the changing balance of forces, the parties, uh, you know, renewal. There, of course. Other different themes, they range from uh, digital communications, arts and culture, social transformation, peace and security. So they, there's a lot to try and, and get into. Uh, Lucanio, in, in your view, outside of the step-aside issue, because we know that that's going to be a, a big one, but outside of the step-aside issue, what are perhaps the top three areas from from a thematic po- point of view that that you are going to be uh, particularly looking at to see what the outcomes are uh yes i think it, it's it's on the issue of organizational renewal um kathy uh, the, the a lot of other sub themes that that are attached to that also the macroeconomic policy um, that they, they raised um, in the ANC. And one of those I'd want to see is how they handle the issue of the South African Reserve Bank that is, um, you know, still has private ownership, even though there's um, been a resolution from 2017 that that bank must be nationalized. The South African Reserve Bank must belong to the people of South Africa because it's responsible for our um, monetary policy as a country. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to find out why that hasn't been done. I've seen some of the reasons that they've put forward as the ANC that people are trying to get um, rich quick behind the nationalization of the Reserve Bank. But I think that's a misnomer when they make that argument because they've been able to nationalize some of the shares in the Reserve Bank before, and they've nationalized them for about 10 rand 50 cents a share, not this extra amount that they are talking about because they have gone to court and they have expropriated um, a shareholder that had kept shares more than he was legally allowed to. So I think it's a misnomer that they can't nationalize the South African Reserve Bank. I think they can. I think they can expropriate it, and I think they can expropriate it very cheaply. They've done they've done it before. They need to use that um, system that they use there. The other issue that I looked at, Kately, is is this new approach. They call it the Zenzeleni principles to housing in their in their document. What this means is that the ANC is looking in this policy uh, documents is looking at moving away from uh, building houses for people. And what they will now give people are uh, called uh, land and service stands. So you just get a, 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 a unit that only has a foundation and services attached to it. And then you must build your own structure. This is what the ANC is proposing going forward. Now, this is not a new policy, Kathy. If you remember it, it's exactly the same thing that Helen Ziller did when she was mayor of the city of Cape Town, when she built people um, toilets that didn't have a structure around them to give them the dignity and privacy um, of when they are using that particular structure. So the ANC is proposing and moving in that direction, which I think will be very disastrous uh, for the country and for people that have a human right to housing in this country. So 
Zenzeleni principles to housing is also something that I'm 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 looking I'm looking at very closely, and I hope that it doesn't be, it get adopted um, at at the ANC policy conference now and then ratified at the national conference in December. So those are my areas that I'm looking at, Kete. But also just to uh, echo what Rebone has, has said, the ANC must be condemned by all South Africans for the callous manner in which it treats its staff. The fact that the ANC has not been able to pay its staff regularly on time and now is two months late with, with staff salaries must be condemned. The idea that the ANC is unable to pay its staff because of the new uh, party political funding act is, is, is also not true because other parties are equally affected by this act in parliament, but other parties are still able to pay their staff. So there's something peculiar about the way that the ANC manages its finances that renders it unable to pay its, its, its staff and unable to pay its suppliers. And that needs to be condemned in that they can treat their staff in this way and speak in the arrogant manner that we heard uh, Bulemabe speak last night. It's mm. condemnable. It's, it's atrocious behavior from the ANC. Uh, what, is, what is also clear, um, based on what Bulemabe had to say, is that the party is not exactly trying to encourage um, funders to put money into the pool of which they get a significant share of when it comes to funding for political parties. So um, that in and of itself is is, is something that, that I found quite interesting because Bulemabe says we have people that want to sponsor us, but they can't because of the Political Party Funding Act. Um, yeah. So, uh, Raboni, I'm going to give you a chance to, to also uh, just think about the, the key issues that, that you're going to be looking out for. I want to take a couple of callers in the meantime. Eugene, you're calling us from Humansdorf. Good morning. Hello. Hi, Eugene. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Are you well? I'm well, thank you. Awesome. Kathy, I'm calling from the lovely uh, province of the Eastern Cape. In the blue municipality, Koha municipality, one of the shining beacons in Eastern Cape. I am not going to disclose my political affiliation, but I just like to comment on the policy issues with regards to the ANC, and I just like to draw comparisons with, with my own political party. It gets out but, every but, three... but but Eugene, then then you have to disclose, so that okay, we, we have an idea I'm a of, 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 I'm a mem- of what I'm a you're member of the Democratic with. Alliance. Okay, I'm a member of the Democratic Alliance. All right. I just like to say that before it becomes ambiguous, I, 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 I spent some time in the ANC for four years, eight months, after having served as a public representative in the DH for five years, trying to see if we could change things, but I can tell you there's no way change is coming. My challenge with everything that the ANC says in terms of their policies is that it always works from the top down and not from the bottom up. And this is different to where I serve in the DA, where it works from the bottom up, policies influence and then executed at a national, at a federal executive level. It's my personal experience. And, and, and Eugene, why do you say that? Because it is members of branches of the ANC that are going to be contributing to these discussion documents. It is members of branches of the ANC that ultimately will have to vote on these policy issues at the elective conference at the end of the year. Well, that's what my experience, having been a branch uh, chairperson of, 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 the, of an ANC branch in uh, the area where I come from, and uh, it, it just uh, uh, simply is uh, a bulldoze, you know, from the top down. So whatever submissions you make on that, you know, it's always monopolized, and it becomes factional. Uh, give you a practical example. I tried to submit a reform document on the 
recruitment, membership recruitment, which one of your guests has spoken about. Uh, and and I, I disagree with one of your members that you can't just become a member and then wait two to three years before you actually can take up a position. Becoming a member, you can contribute and have the ability, the competence to do so. Why not do that uh, on the day or the day thereafter after becoming a member? So that's my challenge. They say one thing, they do something different. Contrary to that, when you're in the DA, you know, it's the branches that does influence those policies. You know, a socioeconomic policy that, that we look at and in the DA, if you compare that, if you have to come into government tomorrow, you can implement that. But the ANC is so inward looking that they're not willing to say, okay, here's a good policy coming from an opposition party or some other party. Let's trial this for the next year and see if it actually brings significant change to the lives of people. Okay. Uh, and that's my challenge, you know, that, I, that I'm having. They say all of these nice things, but they're not willing to look on the other side and say, okay, is there something better, something more feasible or workable or implementable? Why not use that? All right, Eugene, let's and leave it lastly, there. Then, then this last slide, sorry, Cathy. Yes, very quickly for me, Eugene. Yeah, I just like to say lastly that, uh, uh, and why is all the media houses, everybody is focused on the policy conference of the ANC? The ANC is not the government for every single province and for every single person in this country. They are the government in, in the National Assembly. But I can tell you, if you have to ask the people, we'd li- rather want to see uh, f- focus media attention on other things because this is this talk shop. Next year, we're going to get to the same thing in this policy and that policy. And it's absolutely got no significance. That's right. old news. It's old news. It needs to go and focus our attention on the core issues that, that faces our society, which is unemployment, poverty, and all of these other aspects amongst our society. Okay, Eugene, society. I'm going to have to let you leave it there. Uh, yeah, well, it's still the majority party in the country. Gabalun Durban, good morning. You give me 10 seconds now. Uh, Oscar, uh, I think uh, your analysis is spot on. I'm so happy that you have the analysis who who who, who are telling us the truth. But let me draw attention. Uh, can we not put the corruption and put it in colors? Can we attack the corruption in both? Because the white companies and the white people and the white political party are also corrupt more than the ANC. So can we just be honest on that and say, look, Yes, the ANC is corrupt, we agree, but this one are also corrupt. Because if you look at the DA where it's governing, when you look at the Freedom Front Plus, uh, plus where, where they're governing, there is corruption. And we should get, uh, Oscar go back and say, uh, we are here because of them. Cabello, so the thing about, you know, the allegations is that we have to talk about the evidence, right? that points to that corruption, it's not good enough to just simply say that all other parties are just as corrupt as the ANC. Oscar, there is a SIU report that says the DA, they stole about money when they were during COVID, where they did that, uh, uh, you know, small housing for the people to stay. It's on record. Last point, Katie, the ANC now, they are wrong. How can you go and discuss the policy conference and assess the previous, uh, you know, policies that uh, they're supposed to, you know, you know, to assess them and talk about them and say, guys, there is a 54th policy resolution that they're taking. How far that policy has been implemented? Then why now they're introducing the new policies that are not looking back on those policies that, how far did we those policies? They are wrong.
this thing, I mean, this thing that they're doing this weekend is just a, a show, it's just a, a formality. They're supposed to do the national, you know, you know, policy assessment. Where they assess serially, they will assess all the cabinet ministers. How far did you implement those policies or all not? Right. Now, okay. Gabelo, we're going to have to leave it there. I've got a break coming up. I'll continue with more of your calls after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point. Let me give Ndlandla Butelezi, the president of the People's Revolutionary Movement, an opportunity to also weigh in. Mr. Butelezi, good morning. Good morning, Kathy, and uh, your guests. How are you? Well, thank you, sir. Go for it. Yes. Yeah, the ANC that was heroic uh, became valiant uh, in that uh, when it started to govern, it put aside the reconstruction and development program and uh, employed gear. It is through the gear policy that the ANC got into this confusion. Just look in the case of the corporate tax that it reduced from 38% today to 28% because that's where the revenue would have been uh, accessed to assist the poor. The budget that the ANC uh, government does does not talk to the poor. Even the Department of Small Businesses and Cooperatives is not really reaching down to the poor people on the ground. They don't know why they created that department because really it's very, very not helpful. Uh, The other thing is the issue of advocate uh, when he started to deal with the matter of APSA and South African Reserve Bank. She was harassed uh, to date uh, we know that uh, uh, she's busy trying to explain her role as the public protector, but we know where it started. That is the issue with the ANC. Uh, the money that is being stolen, uh, the money of the PIC, uh, the insurance, uh, there's nothing that is happening to recover that money from those uh, private companies who are, in fact, uh, uh, suspected to have uh, stolen the money. So if the ANC does not deal with those things, including the I- illegal foreign nationals who are here uh, getting, a, in fact, assistance or abusing electricity, water, and everything, then we are going to have problems. All okay, right. they are still there. All right. Mr. Butelezi, uh, we'll leave it there. Yes, I, I was listening to everything um, that, that you said, your, your entire contribution. Churchill in Mtata, good morning. Good morning, Katie. <clears throat> yeah, Katie, look, my, 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 my own analysis, the ANC has got good policies on paper. I think their main challenge is implementation. Mm. They can't implement their policies. They've always been having good policies on paper. And the reason why they cannot implement their policies is because of infighting and corruption. You see now they're going for a conference. There's a conference that is starting with the ANC. But the main agenda there is going to be, like, who's going to benefit? And uh, you see, going towards 2024, it's only one year. 
I don't see the ANC turning around and, you know, taking the people to its confidence. It's only one year. They're going to save. And the only thing that will make the ANC to be sober and cleanse itself is to be out of power. Okay. Churchill? Okay, I'm not a fortune teller. I, I had a dream. I saw what is happening in Sri Lanka, recently in Iraq. I had this dream, and I'm warning the ANC, this is going to happen in South Africa, where people are going to call for an election. Okay, Churchill, let's leave it there. Um, let me quickly take uh, Freddie Mafa, who's in George. Freddie, good morning. I'm well, thank you, Freddie. Fine. Uh, Kevin, let me just weigh in uh, about the NC a bit. Uh, and I support a bit this... Uh, now that the NC... Oh, Freddie, that, that connection to you isn't great. You sound like you're on the road. Uh, unfortunately, we're losing the connection to you. Uh, that's Freddie Mafa out in George. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, we're going to have to leave it there with him. Raboni, let me come back to you. Um, I did say that I wanted to give you an opportunity just to give us a sense of what three themes that you're going to be looking at, particularly with interest outside of the step-aside issue, uh, and also just perhaps to, to reflect on our callers very briefly. I think I'll start with the callers uh, before I, I look at the th three themes. I think one must agree with Gabelo, you know, um, because also uh, in the past month or so, Lindwen uh, Chalinjali, the Deputy Secretary of Mpumalang, raised one thing that how is it that people want to be elected in December and they don't go to NGC? How do they review them as a collective, as this NEC, to say in 2017, we gave you a mandate. What is it that you have implemented and what is it that you have not been able to implement? So the issue of the NGC might be something that also might come uh, at this policy conference, you know, that might be raised from the floor, uh, you know, uh, delegates uh, uh, at this conference asking. But also, I want to agree with Churchill uh, when he says there's only one year left. He's correct. The ANC is forever in a fighting mode. You must remember when they leave in December, now people are going to be focusing on who becomes the next members of parliament, you know, um, who becomes members of the legislature. Some will also be looking at, depending who, who wins this conference in December, you know, whether will we see a reshuffling, you know, so people will also be positioning themselves, fighting to be in the cabinet and some to be retained in the cabinet. So there will be another fighting factionalism that we're going to see building up to 2024 because people see the ANC as, uh, as a way of, you know, getting a job, being secured of a job. So it has become a career agency. Uh, the ANC. But the main issues that I'll be looking at, uh, Kathy, at this conference is the issue of social transformation, reason being I'm following very closely the basic income grant discussion. So one wants to see if the ANC will adopt um, this because we know that also the Minister of Social uh, Development, uh, Minister Zulu, has been uh, pushing for this uh, basic income grant. Um, the issue of peace and stability, and this is also based on what we saw last year in July, but also international relations because uh, while Lukanyo speaks about the ANC supporting this popular view of uh, your, your likes of uh, of Dola of and so forth. What is interesting that the International Relations Subcommittee speaks against such, you know, 
uh, xenophobia and this populism and so forth. So there, there will also be contradictions there. And I, I, and I see people will be fighting at the policy on which approach to really take, you know, on this issue of migrants, because the ones on, on international relations, they deal with a lot of issues pertaining uh, peace and uh, peace and stability in the continent. All know, right. Conflict. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there for this morning. Rawoni Dao, she's with the University of Johannesburg. You also heard from Lukanyo Vanga, who is a political analyst. It's 11 o'clock.